Well, Merry Christmas. For those of you who don't know me, I'm John Burke. I'm the senior pastor here at Gateway. We're so glad uh, you've joined us. And yes, Christmas can get kind of crazy, can it? With, with all the decorating and, uh, you know, gift giving, gift getting, re-gifting. And I'm sure that many of you have been busy bees out trying to find just the right gift for your friends and family this Christmas, right? Hoping that you won't end up on Jimmy Fallon's worst gift ever hashtag, right? Yeah, you're going to have to be pretty clueless to beat some of these. Have you seen these? Uh, like, like this one. Um, fancy Pants, LATX, says, one year I got the book, He's Just Not That Into You, from five different people. <laughs> Message received. <laughs> That's just brutal, isn't it? For Christmas. Lorchewski says, my mother wanted to give me the extra plot in the family grave one year. Said they were expensive and I should be glad. You know, what was she thinking? Well, we could be together for Christmas forever. Like, I think I'd say, mom, we're celebrating Jesus' birth. Give me that on Easter, okay? It'd be more appropriate. Rebecca Akba said, my ex gave me goalkeeper gloves for Christmas and said, because you're a keeper. He got dumped soon after. All right, so I stand corrected. You can love soccer too much. (laughs) Take it back. Okay, Lopez1231 said, my parents gave me a pencil sharpener in the shape of a dog. To sharpen it, you had to put the pencil in the dog's rear, and it barked. Okay, that's just wrong on so many levels. I I can't even begin. Like, guess it only took number two pencils. All right, Susan, 67, says this. One year for Christmas, I gave my husband an electric guitar. He gave me windshield wiper blade refills. (laughs) Hey, it's practical, right? It's the lack of thought that counts. Hey, and just in case some of you guys, you know, boyfriends or spouses are thinking, I can make it to AutoZones. Don't do it, okay? That's a bad gift. Well, Christmas is about gift giving because... We celebrate giving our loved ones gifts because God gave the best gift ever to his children, to those he loves. And yeah, we can kind of misplace it and we can lose sight of what it's really all about. But really, there's something wonderful about the anticipation and the excitement of Christmas and celebrating God's great anticipation and excitement of that first Christmas. You don't have to tell kids to get excited about Christmas. Any of you kids excited about Christmas? Oh, come on. You can do better than that. If you're excited about Christmas and you're a kid, yell, it's Christmas as loud as you can. That's what I thought. Yeah. Now, you know, kids don't have to be reminded. Adults, sometimes we do. Remember, though, the innocence of Christmas. You remember how excited you were? I mean, I remember my parents had to hold me back Christmas morning from running to the tree. Uh, I remember the best gift I ever got, best gift ever, was uh, in elementary school. I wanted to be a drummer, and I'd bang on everything. So first grade, I asked my parents for a drum set. So they got me a Toys R Us toy drum, and I played it nonstop until a month later I broke it. Second grade, I asked for a drum set. They got me a Toys R Us toy drum. I broke it in two weeks. Third grade, I asked for a drum set. I think they decided he's not going to give up and it's going to be cheaper if we just get him a used drum set. And that was the best gift ever. I never stopped playing it. And we all love to receive gifts. Just think of that excitement. But you know what's even better than receiving a gift? 
giving the perfect gift. That's exactly right. When you nail that perfect gift and you see the joy or the excitement on a loved one's face or, or you, you nail it for your kids and you watch them respond like this, there's nothing better. Yes, I want it! I <laughs> I'll never forget uh, when, when my daughter was little, she had this Cinderella obsession and she wanted this pretty pink princess Cinderella dress so much that, uh, that you know, she, she couldn't help just getting so excited. And when we finally found that dress, we were so excited to get it for her. And she jumped up and down and ran around screaming. And then, I mean, look at those eyes. It's still my favorite picture ever. Now, you know what I didn't realize is that she wouldn't get over the Cinderella princess dress obsession. And years later, when she found Prince Charming, that dress cost me a whole lot more. <laughs> no idea, no idea. But parents love giving the perfect gift for their kids. They love seeing their kids enjoy that. And you know what? I bet that's how God felt, anticipating giving the best gift ever to his children that first Christmas. He knew this would be the perfect gift for all of us. In fact, Paul in the New Testament writes this, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. You know, Paul calls God's gift, that first Christmas, indescribable. You know, um, Paul was a really smart guy. You understand, he, he was like a PhD in our day. He knew three languages well. He was a master uh, of the Greek language. He had a broad vocabulary. And yet when it comes to trying to explain a word to describe God's gift, he has none. And he simply says, indescribable. Now, why is that? Because let's be honest, not all of us probably here tonight would label God's gift of Jesus' birth as the best gift ever. In fact, I bet some of you were probably dragged here by family and friends. It was a Christmas concession and you're here and thanks for being here. And I get that. I, that's how I went to church for, for many years. And you know, in those years, I wouldn't have described Jesus' birth as the best gift ever, maybe best myth ever, you know, because I, I, I just... I didn't know what I didn't know. Now, obviously, I've learned some things that have changed my mind. And if that's you here this Christmas, I really hope you'll keep an open mind to some of the things that we're going to talk about. You know, for others, you know, maybe you would say uh, that God's gift was the worst guilt ever. You might even tweet Jimmy Fallon about it. <laughs> Who knows? You know, you, you think about God and you, and you think about, about guilt. And yet here you are in, in church on Christmas right? And you're a little bit worried the roof may fall in, but it won't. It's solid. No worries. But maybe because of things done to you or things you've done, you feel a lot of guilt. But here's what I want you to know. Someone's lied to you about God's heart and about God's gift. It's actually just the opposite. And I hope you'll hear that tonight. And then others, we come to celebrate the gift of Jesus' birth, but I don't think any of us, me included, really understand how indescribable it is. When Paul uses the word indescribable, he's actually coining a new term, kind of like Napoleon Dynamite coined the term liger for lion and tiger, you know? People coin terms, new terms, like Brangelina, 
for Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie, you know, or uh, non-versation for a worthless conversation, chair drobe, it's what bachelors throw their clothes on, you know, and, and Paul coined a new term. Indescribable actually comes from a mashup of two Greek words, one meaning impossible and the other fully declare. Impossible to fully declare. See, there, there weren't enough words, Paul says, to describe God's best gift ever. But why? We have to understand some things about it to understand why Paul would say this. See, God was anticipating this perfect gift way before the first Christmas. God created us for himself. God is what's missing on this planet. He knows that. He created you and me for a, a, a love relationship and the creator of love and life uh, you know, and the one who thought up everything we enjoy, who loves us more than a mother or father could, created us to love God and to love each other. And so he looked forward to revealing himself so that we could love him, so we could understand. And you know, we wrap up a gift somewhat to conceal it, but also to anticipate its coming, right? And what I didn't realize when I was still a skeptical engineer type was that uh, God also wrapped up his gift in prophecy. For thousands of years, this first Christmas, God was giving clues. From 2000 BC to 400 BC, God gave over 60 prophecies saying who, where, why, when, how this Messiah or Christ in Greek would come. See, the coming Messiah was foretold in anticipation of God's self-revelation that first Christmas. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, written in 680 BC, God says this, I am the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. Who then is like me? Let him proclaim it. Let him declare and lay out what is yet to come. Yes, let them foretell what will come. Did I not proclaim this and foretell it long ago? Here's what God is saying. He's saying, how do you know this is not just myth? How do you know it's really the one true God? I'm gonna tell you in advance. And then in Isaiah 45, he says, who has announced this from antiquity, from ancient history? Who has told it from then? Is it not I, Yahweh? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a savior. There's none besides me. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. Now notice this is incredible. Notice, this is not Christian. This was written almost 700 years before that first Christmas, before Jesus' birth. And notice, too, God is saying, it's for all the nations, for the ends of the earth. What God was going to do and foretold through his Messiah, revealing himself, was for every person of every nation. Because God's gift of Jesus that first Christmas was all about loving relationship. God wants loving children, not obedient slaves. That's why he doesn't force us, because love can't be forced. But he has given lots of evidence that this is really him if we will seek him. And that's what I discovered. Now, when I was still a skeptic, I would have been thinking, well, whatever so-called prophecies you Christians think are there, I'm sure it was just editing after the fact. In other words, after the Jesus myth, you know, kind of got made up, then people came back and they wrote into these Old Testament prophecies what would look like foretelling Jesus' birth. I used to think 
that was probably it. And then I could just dismiss it in my proud ignorance. But it was ignorance. I didn't know because I hadn't really checked. But here's what I found out, actually. There's lots of evidence. For instance, do you know that in the Dead Sea Scrolls found in Qumran in 1948, we found 38 of the 39 books of the Old Testament, most of them predating Jesus, including a complete copy of the book of Isaiah uh, that the, the newspaper reported, new radiocarbon measurements of the Dead Sea Scrolls made by scientists at the National Science Foundation, radiocarbon dated this famous book of Isaiah scroll found in the Dead Sea Scrolls at between 335 BCE and 122 BCE. So pay attention to this, especially if you're skeptical. What I'm going to read to you from Isaiah tonight is the translation of the Dead Sea Scrolls proof positive written hundreds of years before Jesus was ever born. And yet look at how God wrapped this coming gift in prophecy. Look at what he foretold through Isaiah and other prophets. First, born of a virgin. Isaiah 7, written in 680 BC, says this, God himself will give you a sign. The virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And as impossible and crazy as that sounds, of course, nothing's impossible with God. But 700 years later, Matthew writes about how Mary, Jesus' mother, said, yes, indeed, I was pregnant uh, and and I was, you know, from a small Jewish town with a pious Jewish family. And back then, teen pregnancy was not going to get you popular on a reality TV show. <laughs> it was scandal. So much so, Joseph, who, who was engaged to her, decided to call off the whole wedding when God appears to him in a dream and says, No, Joseph, this is the long-awaited promise of God, the gift for all nations. So, this was not the only sign. And in fact, uh, I want to give you a little, a, a little quiz, kids, okay? I, I, got a, I got a question for you. Okay, what city, what town was Jesus born in? Yell it out. Bethlehem. Good, you got it, Bethlehem. And do you know that too, the prophets foretold. Micah, also writing in 700 BC, said Messiah will come from Bethlehem. Look at this. But as for you, Micah says, Bethlehem, from you one will go forth for me to be ruler in Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. No doubt who that would be then, right? So 700 years before Jesus' birth, Micah says, the Messiah is going to come from Bethlehem. And Luke writes about how the Romans did a census and everybody had to go to their hometown, which is why Joseph and Mary had to ride all the way to Bethlehem, Joseph's hometown, and Jesus was born there that night. But that was not where Jesus actually grew up, okay? So let me ask you again, kids. Uh, do you know the region in which Jesus grew up? Uh, not Egypt. I'll give you a little hint, okay? What was the body of water Jesus walked on? No, not like Travis. That'd be cool, though. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it gets low enough you could walk on the bottom, right? No? It's a hard one. Galilee, that's right. And that was also foretold. Galilee is not just a sea, but a region. And Isaiah said 700 years before that God would reveal himself in Galilee. 
Look at this, Isaiah 9. In Galilee of the Gentiles, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Because a child shall be born to us, a son is given to us. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end to establish it in judgment and righteousness from and until eternity. No doubt here. Mighty God, he's claiming, would reveal himself in a form that we could understand, that we could relate to. Born as a, as a child, would grow up in Galilee, bring everlasting peace and set all things right. What could be a better gift than that? See, this is what God was coming to do. To make every person who's willing right with him forever so that all the things that are wrong in this world right now can be set right. What could be better than that? All right, now one more question, kids. What town did Jesus grow up in, though? Where did Jesus grow up? That's right, Nazareth. Very good. And Nazareth actually was interesting. Nazareth was, was in the region of Galilee, okay? But Nazareth actually had a bad reputation. In fact, it was said, can anything good come from Nazareth? All right? So Nazareth was, was kind of like Waco before Chip and Joanne got to it, right? <laughs> and fixer upper that old city, right? And, and Nazareth, because of this, ironically, the religious leaders said Jesus can't be the Messiah. The Messiah is supposed to come from Bethlehem, not Nazareth. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. But Isaiah said, no, he'll come, he'll come from Galilee, which Nazareth is a part of, and Bethlehem. And interestingly, the religious leaders also rejected Jesus because he exposed their corruption. And that's why it even says, in their own writings, okay, the Talmud, on the eve of Passover, they hung Jesus of Nazareth for sorcery and leading Israel astray. This is amazing if you're a skeptic. These are the writings of the people who had Jesus killed saying, and it was because he was claiming equality with God, which Isaiah foretold Messiah would do. But they also couldn't deny the miracles he was doing, so they said it was sorcery leading Israel astray. But what's amazing is God foretold this too, wrapping it up in prophecy, even the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Isaiah 53 Isaiah says this, who has believed our report and the arm of God or Messiah? In other words, Jesus was not all there is to see of God, but arm, God's arm reaching into humanity so we could understand God. Surely our griefs he is bearing and our sorrows he carried them. He is wounded or pierced, some translation says, for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. The correction of our peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. All of us like sheep have wandered away from God, each man to his own way. But he was cut off from the land of the living. Although he worked no violence, nor was deceit in his mouth. If you will appoint his soul, Messiah's soul, a sin offering, he will see his seed, his children, and he will lengthen his days. And that after the toil of his soul, he will see light and be satisfied. The sins of many he bore. Now remember, I'm reading to you something written before Jesus was born, proof positive. Isaiah said this 680 years before, and yet it was foretold he would die for our sins, crucifixion. 
and see light and live resurrection. That's just five of about 60 prophecies that God wrapped this first Christmas in. Isn't it amazing when you think about it? See, God's plan was to bless all nations, all willing people of every tribe and every language and every ethnicity through his Messiah, Jesus. The best gift ever. That we could know we are forgiven, that we could know we're right with God forever. You know, it's interesting. If you read the sacred uh, text of the world's great religions, which I have, you'll find that they have a lot in common when it comes to the moral law. I mean, it's almost as if God has put the moral law in us and they come out in all our great religions. And we basically agree on right and wrong. In every culture for all time, we've basically known right from wrong. And yet, no one's perfect. And, and the truth is, none of us perfectly keep, you know, have perfect karma or keep perfect dharma or there's no one who's perfectly kept the Ten Commandments or the five pillars of Islam or the eightfold path of Buddhism. Shoot, we can't even keep our own moral law, can we? Right? I mean, you ever let yourself down? Ever said, I'll never? But you did. All of us have. And in that, we feel guilty and we fear God's condemnation, so we run from the only source of love and life, the very one we were created for. But God promises he doesn't condemn us. He wants loving relationship. See, God created you in love for his love. And that's why Jesus came and paid for our wrongs so that God could be just in taking back who anyone, anyone who wants his forgiveness and wants his relationship. Relationship with God is a gift. A gift to receive. Watch as our poets talk about it. He was. He is. He is to come. He was there in nothing. Before time and space and substance, his loving intention compelled action. In anticipation of relationship, the word formed upon his lips and so he began in the darkness. The simple utterance of let there be light through his breath, there was a depth expanding the narrowness of our sight, knowing that the cost of creation would cease his interference. With the choice of freedom, evil slipped into paradise. Deceived God's cherished treasures, darkness descended, separated man from maker, heaven on earth no more. When Adam cursed and reversed us from our created purpose, to live fully with God in daily intentional worship. In sin, we found disconnect, could no longer directly dwell in God's presence. So we embraced darkness, making idols out of desperate ideals, bowing to anything reminding us of the feeling of glowing. But He is love. Loved us enough to give us another chance, that he would get down on bended knee, pour himself out fully into a man we could see, into a man with which we could relate to eliminate any debate on who created me, who created we. To fully be a part of the family at home. See, for God so loved us that he would simply go under Adam's blunder, set this wonder into his kingdom come to earth, bringing joy in the form of a vessel, Peace in the eyes of a child, relief in the hope of a manger king who would drape us in blessing, clothe us in purity, renew us by forging a new covenant. He chose his people through which to bring the Messiah King, 
What rules and rituals could not do, his ultimate gift would achieve. No longer would his children be separate from him. The way made clear his face to see. Love would be the law written deep within every heart that beats. By immaculate conception, God loved us enough to share his redemptive heart. Through a young girl and a confused teenage boy, when her feet hurt too bad to continue, a donkey they employed to carry the weight of a woman who was about to deliver a light unlike any the world had ever seen. A life light bursting into the gloom. What looks to us like gloom is presented as a blank canvas, awaiting a masterpiece in the form of a piece of the master, his son, in the form of man that our finite minds could fathom like any good father. He took the time to wrap his gift to the world. Perfection every folded crease to build the anticipation of the greatest gift that could be received, bringing the gift of salvation to every nation that would believe. A savior, a son, the hope of all the world, come to remove the barrier between God and man, to tear down every impediment separating boy from girl, to remove every partition between black and white was his mission. To eliminate the division of the religion that has founded so many wars. To remind us that we are made simply to love one another and live in unison, as does the sunlight with the stars. This gift was, is, and always will be Jesus. A perfect example of what it looks like to be fully human and that an open heart is all that is needed. The God who was and is and is still to come continues to choose us even when we don't choose him. A story of love for everyone, for anyone desperately searching, a promise to anyone hurting of a life everlasting. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have everlasting life. The indescribable gift. You know, God so loved you and me and all of us that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not have perish but have everlasting life. And then he goes on and he says, Jesus, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world, to set it right with God through him. See, you are God's work of art. You are his masterpiece. You were created for God uniquely. No one else can love their creator like you can. And that's why God did what he did. Because he knew the gift we need is him. We can't become who God created us to be apart from the one who created us for himself. And so God removed every barrier between every human and himself except one, our pride. He won't force us into relationship with himself. But he's made it so simple a child can enter relationship with just a, a heart of faith, just a prayer saying, I want what Jesus did to count for me. I want your forgiveness. I want relationship with you. Relationship with God is the gift. It's the greatest gift of all. And you know, many of you, I'll bet, have received that gift. You know, you've opened that gift like you would on Christmas morning and you're so excited to see what it was that God 
doesn't condemn. He forgives. He loves you and nothing can separate you from his love. And you were so grateful, but then you went and left the gift under the tree and lived your life as if there was no relationship. Can you imagine? I mean, imagine if you, you gave your, your kids or your boyfriend or your gr- girlfriend the perfect gift. You couldn't wait because you knew this would bring joy and so much satisfaction for the rest of their lives. And they opened it up and they were really excited. And then they went out playing and they never used it again. <laughs> You'd be like, wait, you don't understand. I intended you to use this. It's so good. It's, it's going to bring life to you. And that's the gift of God. See, the gift of God didn't end 2,000 years ago with Jesus, and we don't have to wait for heaven to experience this indescribable, multifaceted gift. God wants us to live with him daily because you know what? He wants to give us what our hearts really long for. Now, just do a gut check with me. See if what Jesus is saying he came to give you is not really what your heart is longing for, the best gift ever. Jesus said this, freedom. He came to give us freedom. Jesus said, you are truly my followers. If you'll remain faithful to my teachings and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. I mean, think about all the lies that hold us back from our full potential. You know, you're a failure. You'll never live up. You're ugly. You're dumb. You have to prove you're worth something. They're all lies. And this gift of relationship with God, God wants to teach us to view ourselves the way he sees us, as his masterpiece, so that we can be freed up to fully be ourselves. Could you use that gift this year? Or how about freedom from worry? Jesus said this in Matthew 6, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Look at the birds, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, but your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he'll give you everything you need. Could you use a little less worry this year? (laughs) Of course. Do you realize that's what God wants to give you as you seek him in a daily kind of way? That's the gift. And burden-free living. Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and the burden I give you is light. I mean, just think about this. If this is really your maker and he's saying, you know, think about all the burdens you carry, all the striving, all the stress, all the frenzied people pleasing. What if he's really saying, hey, come learn from me. I never meant you to carry those burdens. Let me undo those burdens and put the burden I meant for you to carry because it's light. Wouldn't that be the best gift ever? Isn't that a gift you could use this year? An abundant life, Jesus said. The thief's purpose, he said, is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich, satisfying life, an abundant life. Jesus taught that as we learn to live daily with God's spirit, what starts to naturally grow within us is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and goodness, self-control. Could you use more of that in your life this year? Isn't that the greatest gift ever if he's telling the truth? And love beyond our ability. Jesus said most people love only those who love them first, 
But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. See, God is love. And he wants you to experience his love to an overflowing degree so that you can love your spouse even when they're challenging. So that you can love your children even when they're bratty and you're feeling impatient. So that you can love your coworkers even when they're obnoxious. So you can love your in-laws even if they stay an extra week after Christmas. Jesus said, I want to teach you to love so that you can even love your enemies. That's a gift I need, you need. That's a gift the whole world needs, right? That's the indescribable gift of God. Jesus asked us a question. He said, if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? So what do you do with the gift of God? You know, so so many of us, we're just so busy, we're so consumed, we don't even stop to look at it. You know, we just kind of keep going through life. Hurry, hurry, hurry. Where? Why? I want to challenge you, if that's you, this year, stop and explore the gift. Come come back. You know, uh, go out on our website on gatewaychurch.com, Exploring Faith, and there are tons of messages for skeptics out there. Get involved in the new year in our Alpha class. It's a conversation for skeptics. You know, I just didn't know what I didn't know. Don't make a decision on ignorance like I was. At least know what you're deciding about this gift. And then some of you who are here, you know, you just never realize that the gift is relationship with God. And that all you need to know you're right with God is to receive the gift. And if that's you, you know, if, if nothing's holding you back, why not make Christmas 2017 the time that you opened your heart to relationship with God? And if you want to do that, I'll lead you in a prayer and you can leave here tonight knowing you're right with him. It's a gift. You know, for some of you, you, you have in the past, you opened the gift. You know, you, you looked in it. You, out of gratitude, received God's forgiveness and relationship, but then you put the lid back on and you went and you lived your life kind of as if God had nothing to do with it. And if that's you, I wanna challenge you this Christmas. Do you realize the gift God wants to give you? And if so, commit this year to growing in this relationship with God. Come back in the new year, join with us. You know, join with us in growing spiritually. And then for some of you, You have not only taken the gift, but you've lived it and hadn't it been the best gift ever. You know that this this gift that gives life year after year. And you know it's a gift that God wants us to share. He wants us to share his love with others because there's nothing better than seeing God change life after life after life. Watch this. We went from a life of fear around our finances and condemnation from others. But because of the gift of Jesus, we're able to live out our true calling in life. I went from being broken with a closed heart and feeling like I needed coping mechanisms. But then the gift of Jesus came and showed me that he was real, that he wants to do life with me, and that he's always faithful to make his presence known to us. The gift of Jesus to me has meant not knowing he's been around in my life to knowing he's been with me the whole time. Because of the gift of Jesus, I no longer feel worthless, alone, or without hope. 
but am on mission to help other women free themselves from the same prison. Because of Jesus, I went from not being in community and not being poured into, to being able to pour into others throughout Austin and throughout the world. I used to think church was about performance, but the gift of Jesus taught me that he uses my imperfections to fulfill his plan and purpose for my life. Before we received the gift of Jesus, the guilt and shame of our past held us captive. But now we've been freed by the grace that Jesus offers us all. So I'd like to lead us in, in a prayer. And uh, before we do, I, I wanna do something, just to show you something. If, if you would, just turn off your light for just a second if you turned it on. Just turn it off. And let's pray together. God, sometimes this world feels dark. Sometimes it feels like we're wandering around, not knowing really where we're going or what we're doing or why we're doing it. But Jesus, you said, I am the light of the world. Whoever believes in me will never walk in darkness, for you will have the light of life. And this Christmas, we thank you for that gift. And God, some of us just never realized that it was a gift to receive relationship with you. And we want to enter into relationship with you. And if that's you this Christmas, just tell them in your heart. Just say, God, I want what Jesus did to count for me. I want your forgiveness. I want relationship with you. Just tell him in your heart. He knows your heart. And God, thank you that you tell us that that simple turning of our hearts in love back to you is all you need. And you tell us nothing can ever separate you, us from your love. And God, there's others of us here who, yes, we receive that gift, but we've never been serious about growing in our relationship with you. And if you're realizing, okay, this is the year I'm going to grow in this relationship. If you're committed to that, tell them in your heart right now. Tell them what you're going to do. And God, we just want to thank you so much that you loved us so you would enter this world so that we could relate to you. The infinite God that we finite creatures can't even fathom. That we can see your character your concern, your heart for people who are hurting or broken or stuck in our addictions or whatever it is, that you come and you don't condemn, you forgive, you enter in and you help us. You help us through it all, Lord. And so God, right now, we thank you for Christmas in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to do something real quick. If you, for the first time, uh, prayed with me to start a relationship with Jesus this first Christmas, why don't you turn your light on? Turn your light on and just hold it up for a second. We want to celebrate with you. Do you know that it says heaven is celebrating with you tonight on this Christmas 2017? Awesome. And then those of you who decided tonight that you're going to get serious about growing in this relationship with God, why don't you add your light to theirs right now? Turn your light on and add it to it. And look around. Look at how each one of our lights starts to push away the darkness. And now let's all, let's all turn our lights on together.
And this is the whole point, is that as we let the light and love of God shine through us daily, it pushes back the darkness. That is what that first Christmas was all about. A light came into the dark in a manger in Bethlehem. As we go out together, I want to invite you to stand together with us and let's sing Silent Night as we hold our lights up high.